podcast starts. Hello everyone, if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome, and if you're a returning listener, welcome back, and thanks for sticking with us. This show talks about horror, horror in film, TV, other media, other items which we think of as adjacent to horror, and sometimes other things from our lives which we just like to talk about just because that's who we are. This week, we're starting a new strand on the show, Horror Questions, and we'll be discussing questions about why horror movies, or so many horror movies, have dark endings, and what is the pleasure that we derive from those things. So we have a number of hosts who vary week to week, but I am T.D. Velasquez, although you can call me Dan, I'm in Greater Manchester. Today I have the pleasure of being joined by... Kirsty Warrow in Shropshire. And we also have the pleasure of being joined by... Stella Gaynor in Manchester. Splendid. So yeah, so today's episode was a topic that I thought up just because a friend of mine who's not a horror fan kind of expressed the view that all stories should have uh, endings in which good triumphs over evil. Um, And obviously it occurred to me that quite a lot of horror doesn't do that. So, um, but I couldn't really explain to the person why that would be appealing because I'm just so (laughs) used to it that I don't even think about it so I thought it'd be worth kind of bringing it out into the open and having a chat about that Um, before we get into that though let's do the news for the week Um, Kirsty I understand you have something that you found quite exciting well I'm not sure about exciting but um, (laughs) further to uh, kind of our discussion last week that there has been a poster for the uh, apparent uh, forthcoming um, 2021 um, remake or reboot, whatever it's going to be, of The Exorcist, um, the po- I couldn't. I was trying to find um, a source for the poster, which uh, turned up online beginning of the week. Um, trying to find out, you know, if it was a fan-made poster, if it was a legitimate um, Morgan Creek f- poster. Um, couldn't find that because the only one I could find um, had a 4chan link uh, attached to it and I wasn't going to click on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, but I mean, it, it's been, I've seen it, seen it shared in several sort of kind of prominent locations um, online. So I'm inclined to believe that, you know, potentially we are looking at a, um, a, a definite reboot or remake of The Exorcist coming next year. So, but again, details are vague, so... Yeah, I hope well, it's that's true. exciting. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, the poster is very scary looking. So, if it is a fan made one, well done that person, all those people. Great. Mm. Some of the uh, fan made posters are so imaginative. Yeah. And I, I wish that the studios would produce things as powerful sometimes. But yeah, I, well, I look forward to the Exorcist remake. Anything that gives Kermode an opportunity to rant. It's going to be really good, even if the rant <laughs> is going to be literally just stop having a go at the Exorcist remake. The original is still fine because something we didn't mention last time we talked about this is that although he's quite famous for thinking the Exorcist is the best film ever made, he also thinks the Exorcist Two: The Heretic is the worst film ever made. <laughs> and swinging he... wildly from one side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Stella, what was the bit of news that you were thinking of for this week? I just wanted to remind people, if you are listening on the August Bank Holiday weekend, that it is Fright Fest this weekend and tickets are still available from um, Thursday when it starts right through to Monday night. So there's a lot to choose from. I've picked all my films. Very excited. But I need to go and buy snacks. (laughs) (laughs) What what, what are you going to see? 
Stella? Oh, um, I've not listed it somewhere. I just know that I have. I got really giddy on Sunday. I was like, right, I'm going to pick them all. And um, so there's, there's always two films running at the same time all throughout the weekend. So I had to choose. And there was a lot of sat there gnashing of teeth and head in hands and wondering what to choose. And eventually I had to flip some coins. And yeah, it looks great. It looks really good. There's shorts on Thursday night. And then it's um, films for the rest of the weekend. I'm going to be and watching it's my wedding anniversary. Oh, it's my wedding anniversary as well. So I should probably news. pay attention <laughs> to my husband at some point over the weekend. No, I think you should just yeah. watch Fright Fest all day. <laughs> Headphones on. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be watching some of those films too. I've made sure to choose films that Stella will be seeing also, so that we can yeah. have a good talk about that on the show in a couple of weeks. Um, so I I do have a couple of the titles in my head. There's a film that you've chosen, Stella, called There's No Such Thing as Vampires, which yes. is described as like a, a modern-day vampire road movie. Mm. So I'm, I was quite intrigued because I'm hoping it might be something like Near Dark. Um yeah, that one looks great. Then the the other one um, that my friend recommended because he has it on on high authority that it's really 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 good is the one on Sunday night called The Swerve. I think. Oh yes. And he was like, you absolutely must have that on your list because apparently it's it's incredible. So yeah, hopefully he's right. <laughs> that does sound interesting, and I, I have to confess I chose that mainly on the grounds that he's got. Azura Sky as the lead in it. She was in two episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But one of them <laughs> was my favourite ever episode, which was called Conversations with Dead People, where she played an incarnation of the first evil, which is like the big villain towards the end of Buffy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, obviously that was 20-odd years ago. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I was just pleased that she's still around and she's got a vehicle, so um, she's yeah. a good actress, so that's cool. Great. Uh, my bit of news is very brief. Uh, John Carpenter on Twitter, I think, and he's been quoted in Variety um, and a few places, has kind of revealed that it's very vaguely revealed that he's in, obviously because he, he's now got an ongoing relationship with Blumhouse since they've taken over the Halloween movies. He's revealed that they're also going to do something with the thing, but he's been beautifully vague about it. I think it, um, it was at a press conference or something and someone said, are you going to actually direct any of these films that you're that are in development, John? And he said, "quote I don't know about that." <laughs> and then, and then he said, uh, "They're going to do something with the thing." And he said, "quote I'm involved with that, maybe down the road." Unquote. <laughs> so I love the way he just doesn't say anything, but um, I, I'm intrigued. Well, just yeah. because any, any opportunity for Carpenter to, to vaguely be involved with the movie, especially if it involves him doing the music, I'm, I'm quite excited by. So um, so that's my news. All right, so we'll, we'll go on into our main discussion um, and we'll I'll come back for, with our usual recommendations at the end. Um, just before we, we get into the discussion, obviously this is going to be a discussion about the endings of horror movies and horror stories. So basically anything that we mention, we are going to spoil the ending of. Um, because we haven't had the discussion yet and it's not a very pre-planned discussion, I don't know which endings we're going to spoil. However, for the <laughs> benefit of the listener, I will note down every film we mention and put it on the show notes so you can check to read what endings we're going to spoil in case there's something coming up that you haven't seen and you want to not hear about. So, with that warning in place, let's get spoilery. Okay, so... <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, dark endings. 
um, this, uh, as a tangential introduction, I mean, I remember trying to explain the appeal of uh, Das Boot, which is obviously not horror film, but it's probably <laughs> the first thing I remember watching when I was about eight that had a sad ending. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and it obviously falls into... When something just has a sad ending, I guess it's in the area of tragedy. Um, but I basically summed up the plot of Das Boots to a friend of mine uh, who I was working with at the time and said, oh, yeah, and it's these German soldiers on this submarine that they do, do loads of missions in the war and survive lots of horrible experiences, and then they get back home at the end, and, and the submarine is just is sunk with all hands in the harbour, and it's really <laughs> sad. And he just said... So what's the point of that then? <laughs> That's quite a dad thing to say. What's the point of that then? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, and the point of it to me was that obviously, I, as a as a child and uh, and 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 you know, as an adult, um, finding more tragic texts, I appreciate the sadness of, of that kind of ending. But when you move into a horror. You go mm. beyond just tragedy because there's a variety of a, a variety of dark endings that you can have in horror. Mm. Um, so um, I wrote down a, a little list which I'll mention, um, and I've got examples of some endings um, which will fit on the list, but some of them I haven't had time to think about. So call in if you can think of something which <laughs> kind of fits in. Again, with Dan, n- not on radio. <laughs> What do you say? Sorry. <laughs> I, said, I said, but remember, Dan, we're not on the radio. I thought you were like appealing to listeners to call in. Oh, no, sorry. Right. Um, no, I was talking to you two. Sorry. Um, sorry, sorry, oh, okay. sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, we will. We're, yes. we're here and we're awake. Yeah. The, the listeners are, are not required to tweet in with examples. But please do. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to stop you. That'll be fascinating. Are you drinking um, wine yeah. there, Kirsty? No, no, it's coffee. Oh, I thought it was wine. I was like, it's a bit bloody early, isn't it? No, no. <laughs> I think that'd be appropriate, no, but it's the, the, yeah, it's coffee. But, it's a fancy glass. But yes, anyway, drunk from a very stylish glass. Um, I haven't got my water. Oh well, never mind. So yeah, number one is tragic. So that's the kind of thing I've just been talked about. So we have a good or innocent protagonist who is overcome by evil, maybe at the last minute. Um, I mean, I I think the best example I can think of, and I'm trying to limit the spoilers for it because um, I don't think enough people have have, uh, have seen what I'm thinking of. But one of the ver- well, all versions of the Woman in Black have a variously tragic ending. Yeah, Some of yeah. them are more tragic than others. Um, mm-hmm. So, for instance, the Hammer film with Daniel Radcliffe ends with the 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 titular spirit um, killing the protagonists, although it, it has a nice element of to it as well that lifts the tragedy, which is that in the afterlife, uh, Arthur Gibbs and his son are reunited with the deceased Mrs. Gibbs. But, so it's kind of um, tragic, but also a little bit uplifting at the same time. It's quite an odd one. Um, can you guys think of a more straightforwardly tragic ending, uh, example of a horror film with that kind of ending? Um, I was thinking, well, uh, what's been interesting this week is I was just think, trying to think about, you know, kind of different types of horror endings. Um, and I've really struggled. I don't know about you, but I've really <laughs> struggled to kind of really recall the ones that stuck with me. But I think The, the Descent has that. Oh, yes. Of, uh, yeah. 
but um but the thing talking about the descent kind of highlights a sort of slightly different or different kind of incarnation of that trope which is the kind of um false ending okay where it all seems okay um so in the film um i've forgotten i've forgotten her name now but the the protagonist uh escapes and she flags down um a vehicle um gets in and you think oh thank god she's out it's all gonna be okay and then um of course that's revealed to not be the case yeah um and we just sort of leave her in you know in the darkness surrounded by the you know crawlers uh, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely so you know um, she's not getting funnily it. enough um, i can't remember it's... the character's name but it's shauna mcdonald was the actress yes yeah yeah um, yeah um so that's you know pretty grim uh yes yeah absolutely and i think um there's a chilling quality i mean i i think the appeal of that kind of ending can be that uh, if you've been sucked into the story and enjoyed the thrill of the fear, then an ending which is a complete downer like that means that the fear does not dissipate. It's not mm-hmm. a resolution. So therefore, you go away still scared, which, I mean, yeah, if you don't like the experience of, of, of being scared, fair enough, but... Um, it's not a very nice thing for the film to do to you. Um, and you might want a safe, tidy ending. But in terms of the enjoyment of the horror experience, um, an ending like that can leave that kind of chilling uh, feeling with you. What? Yeah. yeah, and I think for, for most spectators, is if you're going for that kind of experience, then the kind of, well, not assumption, but... It's fairly safe to say, I think, that those kind of spectators won't mind being left with that as mm. a, you know, as, as a kind of final note, as a, you know, kind of an emotional, um, <clears throat> yeah, hangover, if you like, yeah. from the kind of the ending of the film. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. If you've gone to the cinema or you've watched a DVD or whatever to watch a horror and you want the tension, mm. then you want it to keep going don't necessarily want it to be broken by you know and then they all went home for tea sort of thing it needs to it needs to continue um the film that i thought of with that was the end of 28 weeks later oh yes when they land or you realize that they've crashed or landed or it's not gone well anyway when they get and they're Mm. in france Mm. and the last image that you see is the sprinting zombie infected people running towards the eiffel tower and it's yeah oh because the in um in 28 days later he realizes that it's just the uk is that right okay mm. so it's just us infected little island and then 28 weeks oh now it's now it's in france and it's like oh oh dear <laughs> yeah so there's no, there's nothing good come out of that and it's it just just that final image of the shadowy infected running at the eiffel tower mm. is like well well <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah the tension's still there because you know they've not made a third film which is probably a good idea but no, well, oh, yeah. I always kind of <laughs> hope they would. I think we've we've probably missed twenty eight months by this point, haven't we? We'll have to wait for twenty eight years later. <laughs> um, so, which was that? What was that? Twenty twenty eight. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, that would be a very different so world. We've all got that one on their slate already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my second. Um, cancer agree is the ambiguous ending 
uh, in which uh, victory is unclear or suspect. And my example of this one, I'm glad I've just kind of mentioned it, is The Thing. So at the end of The Thing, there are two survivors, the 1982 John Carpenter film. There are two survivors, but you don't really know if either or both of them could be the monster in disguise. And the movie just kind of leaves it there. It doesn't um, doesn't uh, feel the need to uh, clarify that point. So, mm. and again, I think that kind of leaves. It's just kind of a thoughtful, subtly um, chilling way to to end the movie. I think. Um, but I mean, and the strength of it is that you can, if you want to, imagine that things will turn out all right. They're both fine. Um, but if you, you know, but um, it's it's kind of not quite reassuring. So I, I think that... Yeah, it's that kind of sort of slightly hedging, you know, the kind of the ending so that a spectator can just walk away with whichever ending reassures them the most or at least, you know, kind of fits with the, you know, the experience they want. Yeah. Those kind of open endings do allow for that, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Mm. Um, so that seems to be a sort of not a step down because I'm not sort of trying to make it into a hierarchy, but a kind of a, a slightly more modified um, experience that might suit um, spectators who are less happy with the whole horror experience. Yeah. I yeah. think it allows for sort of fan chatter after the film as well. Yeah. You know, what what mm. what do you think was going yeah. on there? And, you know, that's the discussion you have on on the way out of the theatre, isn't it? What? What was that yeah. about? How how does that resolve itself? Yeah, and of course as well that a lot of those things also from an industry perspective, those mm. type of endings allow the possibility of a sequel. You know, sequel. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it isn't done and dusted. Yeah. And, well, that's what know. I've got written down here is that the the ambiguous ending is an industrial point because it means it's open then and they can yeah. carry on if the you know if all the signs are auspicious mm. and that they you know they should carry on because the first film or second film or third film did well so it, there is a uh, yeah the industry method in doing this for sure and yeah, yeah i guess and that's one of the reasons why horror or certain types of horror does get slated a little bit isn't it is the endless that it never ends it just carries on mm. but i and feel also, like um i mean we might be able to come up with an example of this but i feel like those kind of ex- endings happened before sequels were common Mm. Um, mm. And I think in more recent times they are seen as sequel bait, that kind of ending. But, yeah. but yeah. you know, I mean, like, so the thing never had a sequel. Mm. Um, and, and, and in fact, I think I identified that it was quite common for John Carpenter to end his films like that, and almost none of them except Halloween ever had sequels. And I think he just kind of found it quite a nice note. Um, yeah, a, a bit of a more thoughtful note, maybe. But it seems to me that horror, perhaps more than other genres, or perhaps more than some other genres, sits in this sort of kind of liminal space between the mainstream and niche. Mm. You know, kind of or art house, um, and that that you know kind of ability to um, have endings which conform to expectations, but then also have ones that don't. Um, means that a kind of horror audience going in never quite knows yeah. where, you know, kind of what they're going to get, mm. if that makes sense. Um, or at least 
they can't always be sure about what the ending might be. There might be a whole range of other things, as in this is a slasher movie, so yeah. therefore I can expect to see these archetypes and this, you know, these tropes or whatever. Um, but the endings, you know, might be one of the only sites that that is still kind of up for grabs, if yeah. you like, in terms of, mm. you know, how an audience might, you know, kind of have some ambiguity around those things. So. It kind mm. of takes some safety away from it, doesn't it? And, and predictability yeah. that might be attendant on other genres. So yeah. if you if you go to see a romantic comedy, you basically know what the ending's going to be, and that's yeah. what you yeah. want. Um, yeah. But um, but uh, yeah, I mean I mean, a horror film is a little bit disappointing if it's too safe. Um, I mean I think yeah. one of the problems yeah. with the later Scream films, and I wonder if they'll correct this in the new one, um, is that you just after I think after Scream, well. You just get to know after Scream 2, I think, that there's no way that Dewey or Gale or um, Sydney will die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Unless they're, just, the... they're fixed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and that's kind of no good, really, because that means you have to mm. have a really big cast um, of yeah. other... Because it's a movie about killers, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, You've got to kill someone. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, and in that same problem has happened, because I guess in a way you could maybe consider Scream as in a way its own serialization because it's the same characters moving through their lives with things coming at them Mm. they stay the same Mm. and the monster changes whereas other sequels it's the other way around the monster stays the same and the people coming through are the ones that change so scream does lean into being a bit of a serial yeah and if you serialize horror if you serialize horror then you run up against problems that we talked about the other week where some characters end up becoming safe yeah so Mm. you look at the walking dead either an actor needs to choose to leave or they're probably just going to be there forever. The Walking Dead's got its own little cluster of, well, these characters are never going to go, are they? And the the relentless, well, just there's no resolution to it. It just keeps going and going and going. Becomes a criticism of it because it's like, well, it's just it's just so bleak all the time. And it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did you but want? Then, but, you know, that's there's no there's no there's no happy ending to the characters in the Walking Dead or in the Scream no. series of films. It just just keeps coming, so people can switch off from it. I think possibly. Mm. Yeah, and I think if you've got those, you know, kind of cluster of safe characters within a franchise or within a serial or whatever, then then the just you know kind of inherently the sense of peril is less, right? Yeah. You know, because they're the characters you you know, are you know are safe. Mm. So, you know, it's like it, you might as well stick everybody else in the red shirt. I was gonna say it's red yeah. shirts, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um and, and I think that for me, certainly the most the, the the horrors I find most affecting are the ones that don't do that. Mm. You know, who kind of who kill up kill off characters that you think, oh okay, well these guys are safe. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's um, a clear emotional response, isn't it? When, mm. if the movie um, is, is well enough written and, and, and directed that you come to care about a character and then the film removes that character. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and then the audience is, uh, you know, feeling pain, which is potentially good. Again, um, I'm, I'm not quite <laughs> sure how I can enjoy, I, I can convey this. Well, I suppose it's the same as like why do we why do people watch melodramas or weepies, which mm-hmm. are often yeah. kind of tragedies? Um, it's that it's that cathartic, the catharsis of kind of negative emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's the purge, isn't it? Kind of yeah. 
sense of and I, I was thinking as well about the way in which the horror movies are, you know, have this kind of cathartic pleasure that is in some ways not dissimilar to kind of uh, roller coasters. And I know we've talked about this before, mm. that kind of sense of the, you know, the kind of journey of roller coasters and the adrenaline, the physiological responses. But, um, you know, I, I love roller coasters, so I'm just going to put that <laughs> I hate them. But, I, yeah. I love them I was, because they're no, scary. Nope. But, I mean, what's interesting is, I think, well, two things. Is one is, on a personal level, when I'm riding a roller coaster, I'm really enjoying the kind of ups and downs and the moment where you're being sort of hung over, mm. you know, the kind of big drop and whatever. Um, but there's that sort of sense of, oh, you know, when it ends, that you're going to go, oh, now I'm safe now. And I've sort of been kind of, most of the time, you can see the end coming and you know that you're kind of travelling into the station and into kind of this, you know, period of safety, having gone through all this risk you know risk taking um and i think the you know kind of if horror films deliver a conventional ending where the protagonist walks out and they're safe then that's that same kind of you know you can see it happening mm. so any horror film that's sort of at the last minute you know kind of brings the axe down or at least leaves a question over the ending yeah. for the protagonist is a way of you know kind of subverting that you know sense of moving into safety um I'm I'm not sure how relevant it is or whether or not it's been um been challenged yet. But do you know about the is it the comp gene research at the uni- from the University of Bonn? Have you heard about no. this? The warrior or warrior gene. All oh, right. So <clears throat> so so um what basically I'm not sure when this research happened, but um it's the it's the idea that we've got the there are in our kind of DNA there are two different versions of the same gene that help regulate stress mm-hmm. all right and if you have I think mine's broken <laughs> <laughs> um yeah mine too. um and if you have one version which is called the warrior version is that you tend to be more likely um i mean the whole you know it's a whole nature and nurture thing mm. but you're more likely to go towards stressful experiences like you know kind of roller coasters and like horror movies um but if you have the other type, which is the worrier version, is that you tend to, you know, kind of uh, your body doesn't process stress or handle stress in the same way or as well as the other type. So you tend to, those people tend to kind of move away from or, or kind of, you know, avoid more stressful experiences like watching horror films and right. roller coasters and adrenaline inducing mm. experiences. Um, but obviously, Stella, you love horror, but hate roller coasters. Yeah. So, so there you it's go. Clearly it's broken. <laughs> oh, maybe I haven't <laughs> broken. got. I haven't got one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just thought it was, it's interesting. That there might be, you know, um, at least from you know from some perspectives, a biological reason why some people are more predisposed to enjoy those experiences yeah. than others. Yeah. I think. I don't know. So, so there's a friend of mine. Um, she she doesn't like horror at all. And even if I'm talking about horror, a film or something to somebody else and she's in the room, she can't handle it. She has to leave the room. Mm. And it's because she just, even just like a, a small sentence, um, that the last time it happened, it was after a conference and somebody we'd, I was, we were talking about creepypastas and um, we we're talking about the Tulpa effect and, you know, bringing something into reality by talking about it enough. Oh, fantastic. Um, and she was just like, nope, no, 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 well, nothing to do with that. And went and did something else in another room. And she was just saying it's because it just sticks in her head and she can't yeah. 
make it stop and she can't make it go away. So even though she didn't hear the paper, she didn't wasn't she's never seen the creepypasta, she didn't even hear the full explanation. The next day she was like, I couldn't stop thinking about that last night and I was like, sorry. But and she hates that, whereas I get things going over round and round in my head. So after um uh after host, that definitely stuck with me for a few days. I, you know, not getting up in the night to go to the toilet, even though you're desperate or <laughs> Um, haunting of Hill House and the bent net lady yeah. that bothered me for ages and so I turned it over and over in my head but I kind of like it mm. I don't mm. know oh, it's just a sign of well that was a really good horror piece then because it's it's still there and then, yeah. but then I'll go and watch it again and do it to myself again and again <laughs> and again whereas this friend she'll just hear a snippet and just back right off Yeah. So wow. I don't know there's just some people I don't know yeah, but I wonder if it's to do with like, our, our ability to, <laughs> to compartmentalise yeah. and kind of rationalise away. So there's a... Do you know about um, Julian Hanich's work? I heard the name. Yeah, Julian. so, I mean, he, he does a lot about spectatorship, yeah. but um, uh, he talked about the idea of sort of looking... That one, there's sort of two strat- strategies that we, that we tend to engage when we're watching horror. And he calls... Yeah, so it's looking, looking away and looking through... Mm. So one is, you know, kind of you're watching and you don't want to sit, you know, you don't want to process. So, you you know, physically look away from the screen or, you know, hide behind a, a cushion yeah. or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, that sense of, you know, removing yourself, it will be just visually from the experience on screen to um, looking through, which is that kind of awareness of this isn't real you know yeah. <laughs> these are actors this is cgi yeah. this is you know a director of screen and you know um and just reminding ourselves of that that kind of process and i find that i like like when i'm in the moment and i'm watching the film i find it really scary but as soon as it's finished the credits roll i'm you know yeah. i'm like you know you talk about host it like I thought it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it, obviously. Um, but I slept fine. <laughs> Not a problem. Not a problem at all. You know. <laughs> but that's for me. That's ha- you know, like like most horror films don't affect me after the end of the film. Does that make sense? Mm. Have so you ever I'm, watched you a know... horror film while on a roller coaster? <laughs> <laughs> well. Clearly not. <laughs> See, I think that's what's going to break you in well, the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the next stage of experimentation. Yeah. Although I'd love to do um, uh, Alton Towers or wherever, or not Alton Towers. Um, it's one of the big like Thorpe Park. Yeah. Darren Brown has got a. Oh yeah. He's, he's masterminded some. Seen it on some, the telly. Something. Yeah. So I'd, I'd I'd definitely go and do that. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, I'll <laughs> see if that would break me. <laughs> that idea of safety, though, is a. Is Isabel her name is Isabel Pinedo talked about it in terms of in her book I can't remember what the book's called but it's really good um, the safety of it being contained in the cinema mm. building like literally in the building so you go you go and watch a horror in the building you suspend all your disbelief and all that sort of stuff you yeah. enjoy the film ah it's all really scary shouting with your friends and she said there's two people that watch it time watch she categorised it as either you know it's all fake so that's fine. Or you know it's all fake, but you but you really buy into it and you re- really enjoy mm. it. So it's similar to looking at and looking through, I think. And then yeah. she says, the credits roll, but you leave it in the cinema. Then mm. you come outside, it might still be daylight, and you go and do something else. You go and get pizza or whatever it is you do. So she's talking about everything being enclosed in the narrative and in the cinema. Which is like, yeah, that's quite interesting. And she wrote it in nine, that in 1990, so the 92 or 97. I always mix her yeah. up with Clover. Um, 
but that and I've picked on it in my research and said you know that's kind of not necessarily applicable to tv horror because you're watching it in your safe space which is your home so you know you could mm-hmm. argue that that safety is kind of gone but especially if the narrative is carrying on and on and on it's just getting bleaker and bleaker for 10 years plus as these series carries on so i think that keeping the tension going and the idea of the constant or the dark endings in horror film it's kind of gets twisted a little bit when you make the the narrative longer or you remove it from the cinema space mm. i think yeah I like the fact that we've kind of hit on um, a key um, part of the appeal, which, as you said, Kirsty, is horror as a genre and its predilection for less safe endings and therefore less predictability. Because um, I was thinking that you know life itself is can largely be quite predictable, not always, um, <laughs> and sometimes really unpleasantly unpredictable as well when it happens but but that idea of being um kind of uh like being on a roller coaster um that you know roller coasters are designed to make you feel like they're out of control when they aren't Mm -hmm. and you feel Mm -hmm. like you might be thrown out at Mm -hmm. whatever point or you go around a corner um and that seems really too severe and it will never you'll never make it or whatever um (laughs) so i think Therefore, that kind of thrill of um, of just not quite knowing where you are in a in a horror film mm. can be manipulated really, um, really enjoyably. And it's kind of I think the reason I love horror as a genre is actually well, I can broaden it. I think most of the stuff that I like uh, needs to be thrilling, um, and obviously that's not just horror. Um, you know, um, thrillers, uh, obviously, are thrilling, supposedly. <laughs> um, but, but even comedies that are kind of mm. almost scary, like, I really like The Thick of It, the British political satire comedy, because I think so many of the characters in it and the situations are actually terrifying, but the ten- yeah. that tension increases the humour. But uh, and, and then, you know, going back to last week with what we do in The Shadows, that ob- that shows obviously not frightening, but it is the 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 characters um, and their storylines are so well handled and dovetail in such an interesting way that I don't think it's at all predictable. Mm-hmm. So again, that um, you kind of tumble towards that. I mean, uh, yeah, um, and and the safety of it. Um, I don't think it feels that safe, even though you kind of know that whatever happened uh, would be funny. Um, it's still got shock, hasn't it? Yeah, mm. I mean, um, this is something that we didn't mention about that show last week. The fact that um, you don't really, you know, you, you will expect um, the the main characters in what we do in The Shadows to be there every week, otherwise it wouldn't really be the show. But at the same time, I think the show does a really good job of giving you that in ways that you don't expect. So there's the episode where they meet their own ghosts um, yeah. and then you realise that, oh, they've all died and therefore they have ghosts and Nadja's ghost becomes a talking Nadja doll, which yeah. then sticks yeah. around for yeah. several episodes. And it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, so I, I think we've, we've really hit on something um that, that really chimes yeah. with me there about the lack of predictability 
Um, mm. I mean, there's 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 a I mean, there's quite a big area, you know, kind of discussion isn't there around the scholarship around mm. horror, which is about the idea that it's about managed risk taking. Mm. You know, it's a safe space in which to explore some things that we are, you know, kind of fascinated by or intrigued by yeah. um, to satisfy regularly our kind of obsession with death in a way that is kind of socially acceptable. Yeah, like wound um, culture and, and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think the there's also that, that sense where, you know, in order to, you know, that the... the watching film and any media becomes a part of our kind of psychological processing space of understanding the world around us, around us and sort of coming to terms with some of the things that are happening in the real world. And, you know, again, there's a long kind of history of, you know, horror films being um, kind of allegorical mm. for the real world in lots of different ways. Um, but I think kind of broadly in terms of that sense of a horror film doesn't always have to end well the way that other genres often tend to do um perhaps it's just about us reminding ourselves that you know nothing in life is guaranteed mm. um and that our own happy endings are not necessarily kind of guaranteed mm. um because you know the world is unpredictable and you know kind of cruel and yeah. unkind at times um and so i think there's a you know both a catharsis but also a kind of way of just accepting the world through those kind of very heightened narrative terms in the endings of horror films in particular. Yeah, so that's the yeah. kind of realist context. I mean, I think we, especially since you were talking about The Walking Dead earlier, Stella, I think we, we need to acknowledge the, the daddy of um, bleak endings, which is Night of the Living Dead. I yeah, think that was I've probably, got that really. <laughs> so, that was the turning yeah. point, wasn't it? Where, mm. um, where that kind of became a you know, the much more common thing in horror. And the, the ending of Night of the Living Dead in which the guy survives the, the you know, the, the the night in the house um, yeah. being besieged by zombies only to be, well, not accidentally, but erroneously killed by the people supposedly coming to the rescue at the end. Yeah. Um, so he's not even defeated by the thing which the film was about him yeah. fighting. It's like the ultimate sideswipe. Yeah, um, it's still so good. Yeah. I watched yeah. it about a year or so ago, maybe. Yeah, last summer, a friend of mine, he'd, he'd never seen it, so I was like, right, <laughs> you must watch this, and we did. And I think we kind of talked over most of it because there was alcohol involved. But the last right. <laughs> sort of 10 minutes, we were like, right, come on, we probably should have been watching this film. And at the end, and then, yeah, that ending, it's, the character's Ben, is it? Yeah, it's Ben. It is Ben, yeah. Dwayne when he Jones. Gets, yeah, when he gets shot in the in the head... Uh, my friend looked at my friend and he was just fully like, "What? <laughs> I thought it, I thought it'd be all right." And then it's got all the news footage at the end, hasn't it? That's yeah, interspersed yeah. with it, and he was just like, "Wow, yeah." Anyway, and then he took the DVD so he could watch it properly <laughs> without without us too yakking over the top of it. Result. But it's, yeah, it is a result. I think he watched yeah. all the other of the Dead season. Anyway, regardless, um, yeah, that ending is so brutal, and I think after that. Other horror films sort of stepped up a bit, didn't they? Well, they had to because it, it was like a quantum leap. Yeah. In, in because, as Kirst, like Kirsty was um, hinting, you know, there's a connection between that ending in, and the real world and real life. It's like 
Um, he's got away from the zombies, guys, but the zombies don't really mm. matter because they're made up. It's, no. it's the people, the the mad yeah, people yeah. with guns who matter. It's the rednecks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you, you just sorry, Stella, did you just talk about Get Out and make a link between Get Out and yeah and that yeah well it's again like for my for for me and the ending of get out was just it was the expectation of you know when you see the site you know the kind of lights come you think oh you know particularly again you know with the way the world is right now yeah um that the way in which that that you kind of go oh that 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 the ending for our character having now escaped all this horrendousness is now the threat is not um it's not those people, it's, you know, the police um, because of his, you know, his gender and his race. Yeah. Um, fortunately, not quite how it turns out, but, <laughs> you know, the fear in that moment is really powerful, isn't it? Yeah, like, <laughs> that's a great film. Yeah, yeah it's it fantastic. Is. It's, I, I hate to be that guy and it's a really obvious choice, but I think it is my favourite horror film of the last few years. Um, and I just think it's so entertaining. Um, yeah. It's a zombie film, though. In the old way of the zombie film, so it's like white zombie, and I walked to the zombie because it's the yeah. hypnosis yeah. and voodoo stuff, isn't it? So it's it's an old, 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 old school zombie film, really. Yeah. So it's... I watched it. I got her in to watch that one with me. He actually agreed to watch that one, and uh, I could just feel him. It was so tense because he knew vaguely what the film was about. Because I think we watched it when it finally made its way onto the TV, so he kind of already knew mm. what it was about, and it, I could just feel him just so tense next to me, and I would say. Do you want to turn this off? She's like, no, no, <laughs> we'll watch it. But yeah, it, it, he. We were talking before about needing the tension being built. Once, mm. once things started happening in Get Out, that's when Owen relaxed a bit. So was like, right, okay, stuff's starting happening now, and th- things are gonna get bad, and then the film will be over, and I can <laughs> yeah. get on with my life. But I think until until the point where everybody seems nice, Owen was just like, oh God, something needs to happen, and he felt better when it did. Right. It was the hypnosis bit with the teacup that he was like, okay, I can relax yeah. now because things are going downhill. It <laughs> so I wonder, I wonder if this really well, doesn't it? Sorry, Kirsty. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just wonder if this is the, the point to kind of bring in um, the. I, I'm not sure how much stock I put in it as a as a feminist, but um, is Silman's snuggle theory? All right, you, okay. Have you heard of this one? Um, You're have I to haven't, walk us through no, that I haven't heard those words, but I think I can guess what it is. Go on. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so Zillman, Dolph Zillman, um, has kind of done a lot of research around, um, kind of psychological research around um, horror films and responses to horror films. And basically what his research uh, allegedly proves um, is that um, watching horror films with a partner, a romantic or sexual partner, um, particularly a kind of normative or heteronormative heterosexual um partnership uh reinforces gender roles mm-hmm. um and that <laughs> apparently the, the, yeah is that the the male uh male viewers enjoy the experience of watching a horror film more if their female is scared and they have to come for her and also females enjoy um the experience of watching a horror film more if uh their you know uh, their their male um uh partner is less affected and and seems to be brave um so what i'm always wondering is that was about the experience of watching horror films what i'm wondering is 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 there an argument for if you end badly then that's setting up some 
post-film comfort. <laughs> uh, if oh, it's you mean snuggle, because you know. it, it, it requires extra comfort. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, because we end on a bad note rather than kind of, you know, well, it's, ending it in a reassuring place. That's just place. all backwards in my house because I'm enjoying the film. Yeah, yeah. Owen's scared of the film and at the end when I go, are you okay? Do you need a hug? And he's like, get off me, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think this is, this okay? is done in the 1990s. <laughs> so, we're, you know, it's, it's a while ago now. Um, but I just, I thought it was an interesting yeah. idea that, you know, kind of horror films are, you know, particularly in the cinema, aren't they? They're, they're often kind of date movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it allows um, for some sort of, I had the word before, but I've forgotten it now. It's making me do this. I don't really know why. Um, like, um, <laughs> like posturing, I suppose. Yeah. Like, I can handle this. I can take this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm not scared. Whereas yeah. it's like. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think for, I'm not sure about you, Stella, but certainly kind of um, as a teacher of young males, often um, they you know kind of tend to there tend to be a lot lot of discussion of you know between you know sixteen sixteen to twenty, I suppose, males where they're really into horror and they're talking about the horror films that they've seen, and you know it's a whole it is a you know masculine pissing yeah. contest isn't it it's really a about one upmanship you know, isn't it you, yeah not exactly seen that. i've seen this i saw i sort of saw when i was five didn't yes yeah there's a lot they're still doing that when they get to uni yet. yeah can yeah. confirm yeah. Yeah. yes <laughs> wow <laughs> there's a lot of eye rolling from the girls as well very familiar <laughs> yeah yeah um, <laughs> yeah dear. this might explain why yeah. i didn't so start watching horror films until i was 14 yeah. <laughs> Too much playground nonsense. Yeah. Um, great. So I think what I'll do now is uh, I'll go through the rest of my categories because I think we're having such fascinating yeah. discussions and rather, and because we're, we, you know, we've also got limited time, I think I'll just read them all and then we can kind of feel where the conversation goes from there. So we got up to my third one, I think, which would have been karmic i.e. the protagonist is like an anti-hero who deserves the comeuppance that they get in some way. Um, the examples I have for that, I'm sure there are more, but they're all like... It's, it seems to be a, um, a trend in anthology horror films, and, and certainly stellar in terms of TV. Mm. This, you know, like Tales from the Crypt. They're, they're always about some character who meddles with something that they shouldn't, and eventually, yeah. um, you know... Th- they suffer the consequences and i think yeah. uh, and and the, the kind of appeal to the audience seems to be that you're supposed to just enjoy watching that because you don't really like them you you more you you enjoy the the spectacle of watching them meddle and then be punished rather yeah. than empathize with them um yeah it's always that and the moral of the story is <laughs> don't do don't that. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't um, be a dick. <laughs> and and I and I love those stories, but I think that um I'm also slightly resistant to the model because I feel like that, uh, some people seem to think that that's what horror is as a yeah. genre, and I don't think horror as a genre is entirely moralistic like that, mm. and it's mm, it's no. not that simplistic. But obviously, those kind of little tales are great fun. Um, I off the top of my head. I can only think of one example of a, of a kind of feature-length movie that is that, which was um, Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell. Is all about yeah. uh, the character who is cursed because she doesn't she insult an old lady. Um, yeah, she 
does she work in a bank or something and she won't help the old lady? Yeah. So the old lady then curses her, steals a button or something. And she has. I don't know. A... It's always on ITV too for a while. I, <laughs> They've I got some new films there. It's very enjoyable. Um, yeah, I recently recommended it to a friend of mine as like my first horror movie. He was like saying, "What? My 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 daughter who's like twelve wants to watch horror films, but I don't know which ones are safe for her. What would you recommend?" And I said, "Maybe Drag Me to Hell, because um, yeah. it's kind of a bit daft, and it yeah. has a dark ending, but it's not too traumatic. Because I do think yeah. in that movie." It's it's kind of on the fine line. You do sort of care about the heroine, but also you recognise that she was horribly mean at the start. But yeah. She probably very much regrets that by the ending. Yeah. Um, oh, and that I just want to mention as well, um, in regards to what we said before about the unpredictability with Get Out and with other certain other horror movies like, um, I think, some of the Scream films the propensity of horror or the potentiality for a dark ending means that when they they do pull a hopeful ending out of the bag and you're really not expecting it, that's very can be very satisfying. I mean, I certainly mm-hmm. remember feeling like I really liked the first two Scream films because um, I thought of them as feel-good horror movies, which seem to be yeah. a contradiction. Um, and it's only in the later films in the series where the whole film is too safe and you start to expect that um, kind of quality and it and it doesn't feel earned. But I thought in the first two they managed that balance really well. Um, mm. So my fourth category would be um, Pyrrhic or Pyrrhic victory. So good is triumphant but at the cost of extreme sacrifice. Um, and the... Uh, the example I've thought of for this one um, is um, a great movie with a, an absolutely stunning ending, um, The Mist, Frank Darabont's The Mist from 2007. Mm. So, you know, the the, the hero survives um, uh, the, 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 the night of monsters from The Mist, but, but in order to do that... Well, it's kind of quite cleverly written film in that he... The, the the plot kind of sets up the idea that it's a biblical scenario where God is wreaking uh, punishment upon the earth and um, we are required to submit sacrifices for it um, to kind of um, to uh, to abate that from happening um, and we don't believe it as an audience uh, and uh, and we think that there's char- the character of Mrs Carmody in the movie is like a religious maniac who thinks that but she must be wrong. But then towards the end of the film, Thomas Jane and his son are kind of trapped with the with the monsters and, and there's apparently no hope of them getting anywhere. So Thomas Jane murder kills his son. Um, and is it is it also his wife or is it just a woman that they've formed a family unit with? I can't, it's it's a while since. But anyway, the point is they're all they're all killed and then it, like literally within seconds of him killing them, the mist just clears <laughs> and the army come to to the rescue and the monsters are gone and stuff. And and the, there's a real um a really nice clever line. You could read it that that sacrifice was what he had to do in order to to redeem the situation, but also it could just be a horrible, horrible coincidence. And I remember <laughs> that movie. Uh, I sat through the entire credits, thinking, "Please be a little scene at the end of the credits 
<laughs> where there's a bit more hope, please, because I find it so upsetting. Um, but yeah, I, I feel know. like there's, there might be there's probably more straightforward examples of that kind of huge sacrifice kind of ending. The one I thought of was, um, and it's not a great film, um, I Am Legend with Will Smith. Oh, right. While I love Will Smith, you know, I do. Um, I've never seen the film, but it's a great book. It's The book's amazing. Um, he basically has to sacrifice himself in order for the blood cure thing to get out. Right. So he, he barrels full pellet into a big wall of um, the zombie vampire things whatever they are with a grenade in his hand so it's all very slow motion will smith running which is grand mm-hmm. um but yeah i think well the problem that everybody had with that film was that the all the the monsters they were fully cgi'd so they just looked crap so right. I did, why did not you just get a load of extras yeah so that was the problem the whole rest of it looks amazing all the um apocalyptic new york with all the mm-hmm. undergrowth and stuff and the animals running down times square it's all really really good but it's just like ah the vampire things they just look dodgy anyway but yes, Smith, um, Robert, Dr. Robert, what's he called? Uh, in the book, he's called ah. Robert Neville, I think. Robert Neville, there we go. Yeah, um. yeah so he, there's a woman that rocks up and he puts her in this little hole thing so he can get, she can escape with the cure and then he runs at the vampire things and they all... There's a big explosion and then she does a nice... She goes to the safe zone and she's got the blood vial in her hand. So it's that, yeah, it's all going to be good, but... Robert Neville is dead. So there we've so, yeah. got the kind of category of like heroic sacrifice. Because I yeah. feel like in the, um, uh, in this in this genre, that's maybe not too common. Actually, the heroic sacrifice is mm. more like the desperate struggle to just mm. survive, mm. and and there's bit, uh, and we have a huge amount of collateral damage or whatever. But yeah. um, the heroic sacrifice is quite common in kind of action movies yeah. and, and and sci-fi and stuff and obviously yeah. some of those movies do spill over into the horror genre the one i'm thinking of is randomly rain of fire do, do you guys remember that dragon is that the based dragon movie, post-apocalyptic <laughs> oh God, movie. Yeah. so you've got two, two male leads uh, matthew mcconaughey and who's the other one most oh, christian bale um, and that means that you can afford to kill one of them so one of your big male stars has the heroic death scene and the other yeah. one gets to walk into the sunset. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I, oh, Go on, Kirsty. I was just thinking, and I'm not sure if it if it works in terms of this type of ending, but I feel like it's probably a version of it, which is um, uh, The Girl with All the Gifts. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a great film. In, well. in, yeah, in, in the, it's not... We don't end up with the... Sa- well, we kind of... Yeah, there's a kind of version of the the human characters mm. the non-infected characters coming or at least the ones who we've come to care about coming to realize that they have to die in order for yeah. a kind of rebirth renewal kind of thing to happen um yeah so that sort yeah. of feels a little bit but it'll, it's you know it's sci-fi as well yeah isn't it? as well yeah as and, but, and also Gemma Arterton's character in that movie does survive yes but her survival is at the cost of yeah because she's teaching the children Oh, yes, of course end. she is. Um, but she's like locked. Oh, hello. Stella's just showing us a friendly cat. Bless. Um, yeah, just so, so she doesn't start chewing things because that's what she likes to do. Go that way. Certainly not, nothing technological as well. Dear, oh dear. That would be messy. But um, mm. um, yeah, no, that's a really good answer. So I think I've only got a couple of categories left. 
and my phone beeped at that point, which is typical. <laughs> um, oh no! So my last category is foreboding, um, which mm. could also uh, be called ominous. So some kind of <laughs> resolution is reached, but worse is yet to come. I feel like mm-hmm. that's quite a common one, and um, yeah, uh, and I kind of love that ending really. It's, yeah. Um, and I think an example which came to my head is something that we talked about recently was the remake of um, uh, The Crazies, which we talked mm-hmm. about in our remake episode. Mm-hmm. So that ending is, you know, the the, the protagonist gets away. You talked about how much you liked it, Kirsty. Um, yeah. But they, they, they are revealed to be heading to mm-hmm. probably another infected city. I think. Oh, yeah, with like the so. satellite image of them, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah it's so, good, that one. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I think I love it because it's um, it allows you to imagine a whole uh, other horror film in your head that comes next. Mm. Um, yeah, y- you know. Um, uh, I think another example that I think of a lot is the the first Halloween film. I think that um, you know because the ending is. The film kind of stops at the point when it's confirmed that uh, Michael Myers, the killer, can't die. So it's almost like John Carpenter and Deborah Hill writing the scripts. Well, there's no no real place we can take the script now. We might as well just end <laughs> the movie. But it ends with Jamie Lee Curtis's character kind of realizing he can't die, can he? This will never end. And uh, lo, it, it never <laughs> <Hey>. has ended. <laughs> But, Here we uh, are. <laughs> I, I don't think uh, that that was quite the kind of horror that that I was enjoying anticipating from that. I just loved the the idea that um, you just not. I, I kind of couldn't couldn't imagine what the story would carry on to be like, uh, but it was just all terrible. There's another example which <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure neither of you have seen, so I'll explain it. Um, it's a Hammer film called Blood from the Moon. Sorry, Blood from the Mummy's Tomb. Um, I wrote an essay about it when we were at university, Ghost. Oh. Um, so that's all about uh, uh, an evil Egyptian, ancient Egyptian queen trying to come back to life by possessing uh, a young woman in the modern day. And, and there's this weird um, twist that the, 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 the queen's actual body still exists and is perfectly preserved so she looks like a living person although she's dead but also that the young woman who she's possessing just looks like her i.e they're played by the same actress and then at the end of (laughs) uh, and then at the end of the movie um there's a big confrontation and the whole house falls down and you see this figure emerging from the rubble but and it's obviously it's Valerie Lay on the actress, um, but it, the film doesn't really tell you which one she is, whether she's the evil queen or whether she's the young right. woman who's now safe. Um, and it was just the, uh, and and the movie just freeze frames on her eyes, and ominous sounding music just kicks in, and I just remember thinking, "I've that's amazing! <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen next?" Um, you know, um, and just imagine this vastly apocalyptic movie about a, a, a reincarnated, revived Egyptian goddess of death 
raining terror upon the the whole world. But then thinking, well, you know, I'm obviously that movie would be rubbish if Hammer tried to make it on their budget. <laughs> but I like the fact that they've just kind of left it as an implication right at the end of the film. Um, and there's yeah, there's quite a few I think. Um, can you guys think of any examples of endings like that? I was just thinking about um, Cabin in the Woods. All uh, right. Oh, I've still not watched <laughs> yeah. it, but the, the format of this episode means okay. that you're you're allowed to spoil it. Well, no, it I'm not, I, won't, I won't. I won't do. I won't do. But you really need yeah. to watch that film so that we can do an episode about what that film says about. Horror, I've got it recorded. It's all about. And I do intend to yeah. do that. Just yeah. just yeah. watch it, Dan, and then we can <laughs> right. sit down and have a chat about it. Um, but it does have that kind of, and that's all I'm going to say because yeah. I don't want to spoil it for you because it it. But it it's a really interesting version of that type of ending in terms of the ambiguity and the way in which it you know kind of it raises questions yeah is what i would say i would suggest um paranormal activity oh yeah oh, because yeah. at the end and it says katie's whereabouts is still unknown it's like yeah ah, well well yeah <laughs> Oh, here we go then. <laughs> we'll have to yeah. watch the next film then, won't we? <laughs> exactly, and I've still got four films to watch in that series. <laughs> and the, that the, was your homework. <laughs> the, the final one is on film four this week. I've just been checking is it? The, the listings, so I'll, I'll record that. Obviously, mm, I'll have perfect. to find the other three movies. But um, <laughs> Well, the yeah. first... Oh, wait, we've seen the first two, haven't we? Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Carry on. The first two, but... <laughs> But yeah, they they both do that. Um, yeah, I kind of love it because it's that kind of ending just create allows you to create another film in your head. I, I think mm. that's um, and then often, obviously, as is the case with paranormal activity and Halloween and things like that, um, the filmmakers have then taken that pleasure away from you by actually making the next film, which sometimes I wish they <laughs> mm. wouldn't. Um, yeah. Yeah, because the, what happens in your head is, is going to be much more persuasive often. Yeah, but not always. Mm. I mean, I do think that based on the first two paranormal activity films, they are doing something really interesting with that storyline, and therefore I'm looking forward to seeing the next ones. But um, mm. but yeah, not got around to that yet. So I think we've run the gamut of dark endings. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so uh, could I, could I could I sorry to I, I just want to divert and it, it just you know we get to the ending yeah. and that seems like a good opportunity for a new beginning um and literally as we've been sat here talking uh, I had a notification on my phone from Twitter oh. um and so there's just been an announcement so I'm on on deadline uh, so this is exclusive. Apparently, I mean, it won't be exclusive, obviously, when our list is listening <laughs> to this because it won't go out to Friday. But it's an exclusive, exclusive right now. Um, so the headline is: Studio Canal and host creators team up for female-fronted horror film pitched as the conjure, conjuring behind bars. Oh. So yeah. this is what it says: Studio Canal is teaming up with the creators behind hit lockdown horror host on a genre movie pitched. To the Euro Studio as the conjuring behind bars. Uh, host writer director Rob Savage will direct the film, um, and writer exec producer Jed Shepard will produce with Studio Canal. Um, so this is what Savage has said. So this is you know kind of quote from from the article. Um, the project is a meddling, uh, sorry not meddling, <laughs> melding. 
it's because I haven't had time to process, melding of the prison escape movie and the haunted house movie in which a group of women who stage an unsuccessful breakout attempt discover a secret room that unleashes a dark presence that marauds the halls uh, at night. The film will have a claustrophobic quality akin to The Descent. Wow. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Deal so me in. That's literally, yep. yeah, just been, uh, yeah, just been announced. So that's exciting. So that is yeah. exciting. Bad girls yeah. with demons. That's wonderful. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but it does remind me, it's a funny one, that, because um, do you, you, either of you know a, a fairly obscure 80s horror movie called Prison? It was one of the early films directed by Rennie Harlan. Um, no. The uh, I think after he'd done uh, one of the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels, he went on to this. And it was produced by Erwin Yablans, who is the guy who conceived Halloween. And he was interviewed and said, um, I thought it'd be a good idea to do Halloween because it's the most frightening night of the year and nobody had made a horror movie about it. Then I thought, to do something similar, I could. we should make a horror movie about prison because prison is the most frightening place in the world and nobody's made a horror film about it. So they did. And actually, I haven't seen it. I I hear it's actually quite good. But somehow it just didn't have an impact. And as far Mm. as I know, there have been no other prison-based horror films. Um, And I think it's definitely fertile territory. Um, Mm. Because he was talking about one, wasn't he, where he was... When we we spoke to him about that that it was one that he couldn't believe nobody else had done. Oh, right. Do you remember? Or maybe that's just me. Oh, <laughs> maybe this is it. Anyway, I'm not sure we'll have to listen back. Anyway, next time we speak to him, which we surely will, mm. uh, we'll have to ask him. But yeah, oh, that'll be cool. fantastic. So, ah, wonderful. So that's been a really fascinating discussion, and I do feel a bit more secure in uh, <laughs> understanding why I enjoy horror movies with dark endings and just <laughs> dark endings in general. Yeah, and, um, yeah. It's to me, it's just excitement. Really, isn't it? I think yeah. I think that's the key thing. I think the potential for a dark ending means the movie is going to be more exciting um, because of of less predictability. But there's so much to it. Oh, that's fantastic! So we've we've effectively spoiled a whole bunch of movies there. But I've noted them all down and we'll put them all in the show notes. <laughs> so that's fantastic. Well, from now on, the format of the podcast is going to be a bit different because. Uh, Kirsty and Stella and I are all um, in our different ways kind of going back to work and have a little less time um, than usual to devote to the show. So it's going to be continuing every week, but we won't always all be on it. Um, and the episodes might be shorter than perhaps the listeners have got used to. Um, so next week, it's uh, it's going to be uh, me, I think, and our um, special guest, Spider Dan, who's been wanting to talk about the black cat, Lucio Fulci's the black cat on this show for some time. Last time we said he was going to come and do it, it didn't happen. Hopefully this time um, it's safe for me to actually say, yeah, um, it's actually happening. Um, and um, and we've plotted out um, an interesting few weeks from that point on. Um, as we mentioned earlier, Stella and I are going to be seeing a bunch of films at Fright Fest. Yeah. Uh, this weekend, so we'll be back talking about those the week after that, and um, there's there's going to be lots of fun going on from there. So, my friends, um, I think it's time for our recommendations of the week. Um, Kirsty, can we start with you? 
Yes. So this is actually one that I really just discovered uh, this morning and listened to this morning. So um, on uh, BBC Sounds, um, there is a short, it's only 28 minutes, uh, kind of documentary um, about folk horror called Fear in the Furrows. Okay. Um, so it's sort of an overview of folk horror, not just in... Um, in cinema, but also a little bit on television and uh, music as well, which I wasn't aware of at all. Um, and yeah, what's so it was really, really interesting and, and is a sort of kind of nice overview of folk horror and English folk horror in particular. However, <laughs> all right. from, you know, kind of to, to kind of go back to our kind of paganism discussion is that this this is a it's made by a documentary uh, maker, Simon Hollis, who at the beginning of the program does confess that he is uh, a city boy. Um, and he does, to be fair, the documentary does go and speak to some actual uh, pagans um, and highlights pagan tradition. But it's. It's all framed slightly in this, or it's all very eerie and a bit dark and it's a bit, you know, scary, isn't it? Which is kind of, you know, perpetuating the problem we were talking about um, on that episode. But, you know, for 28 minutes, it's a kind of engaging um, uh, listen with lots of kind of, you know, slightly... um, slightly scary-sounding folk music in it. Um, But, yeah, so that's my... Yeah, recommendation, but problematic recommendation. (laughs) Fantastic. So I've had an ongoing conversation. Yes. Maybe we'll get him to retweet us. Yeah. They can can divert the listeners to a more nuanced discussion of paganism and folk. (laughs) So how about you, Stella? Uh, Well, I'm going to recommend um, the Purge series that's on Prime... Because I started watching it last night. The TV series of Purge. Yes, the TV series. There's two series available. And I started watching it last night. And I watched four episodes on the trot, which is why I have been yawning (laughs) this afternoon. Because I stayed up way past my bedtime. Um, And the Purge films are quite simple. So I was wondering how are they going to drag this out without it just them feeling like... Or feeling like they've just dragged it out. Um, But they've done a very good job of layering in lots of different people experiencing the purge i don't know if they're all going to come together or or whatever but it it moves it flicks between different people over time so yeah i'm really enjoying it it's um it's not too violent yet but yeah it's it's i'm enjoying it so yeah have a look at that and it's on prime video so is it all set over one night that's what i'm thinking yeah right so so far four episodes episodes in now right yeah, and it's still the purge hasn't been going on for very long. I think we're only a couple of hours in, so I think they're right. going to do it that way. But yeah, I'm really enjoying it, and I was I was concerned because I do really, really, really like the purge films. Mm. So there's always that concern, isn't it? That you know, don't mess it up. Um, but yeah, I think it's working so far. So have a look if but, you like the purge films. But they're almost doing real time with it. So it suddenly struck me that you could actually do 24, couldn't you? You could do the purge version of 24. <laughs> <laughs> Put the audience through the whole ver- the whole experience so. god remember 24 that was awful i do yeah. <laughs> yeah i i avoided it almost entirely um, sometimes i think that was a mistake but then i think well it's probably too late so never mind yeah you, d- you don't well, need that least, in your life dan it's at least eight eight days of your life you've saved <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> literally all uh, right so my recommendation for this week is well uh 
the uh, Radio Times for next week just dropped on my map just before we recorded. So I had a quick glance of what films are going to be on terrestrial TV next week in the UK. Terrestrial TV, is that even a thing? How I old are you, Dad? dated <laughs> myself completely. Um, so, uh, digital TV, whatever. Anyway, tomorrow on Sky Cinema Premiere, which in the old days we used to call satellite TV, children. Ah, yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, there is Ready or Not is beginning, and and if and I don't have Sky Cinema, and but I think uh, I'm my understanding is they, that once they introduce a new movie, it's on every day for a bit. So yeah, and you also get it on. Um, you can download it on demand okay. as well. Yeah. Brilliant. So plenty of opportunity to see that movie, which I've mentioned a few times on this show. I I love it. Um, it's got um, I won't spoil it, but it definitely <laughs> falls into. One of the categories of ending, which we discussed in this episode. <laughs> Answers on a postcard, if you can tell us which one it is. <laughs> um, tomorrow, uh, uh, this isn't a recommendation because I haven't seen it, but just something I'd like to check out. Tomorrow on Film 4 is the premiere of Mandy, Panos, Cosmatos's slightly crazy-sounding movie starring Nicolas Cage. Yes, which, um, I also need to see that. <laughs> a couple of years ago, when it came out, I hired it on Amazon Prime and then just forgot to watch it and you know it exp- and, and it was also a special offer where they give you a whole month to watch it in but I just put but I just forgot it was there and I just never watched it and then went oh don't and I've spent money on that <laughs> um, but never mind I'll, I'll have it I'll watch it now so so um Oh, yeah, and as I said, there's a paranormal activity film, The Ghost Dimension, the last one that's also on film four, I think uh this week. So, watch out. I'll be recording that for to catch up with once I've seen the intervening three movies. <laughs> yeah. So, film four on Monday. Bank holiday Monday, 31st of August. So, those are my multifarious recommendations. Well, thank you very much, Stella. Thank you very much, Kirsty. It's probably going to be a little thank while you, before Stan. all three of us are back here together again. Um, so, but, but so much work to do between now and then. Oh, gee. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, for all side. of us. But um, so, but we'll keep in um, occasional touch, and um, the listeners will find out how we're doing in bits and bobs. Um, so, so next week it's Spider Dan and the Black Cat, and um, so listeners, you'll hear me then, and. Stella and Kirsty, I'll um, I'll speak to you soon as well. On, right. the, on the other side of work resuming. Oh dear. <laughs> All <laughs> right then, bye. Take care, my friends. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. You have been listening to, and now the podcast starts. Produced and released by Ambidextrous Solutions Limited. Presented by. Kirsty Warrow, T.D. Velasquez, and Stella Gaynor. Special thanks to Greg Hume for our original theme music and to Brian Gorman for our original artwork. All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows, and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in UK law and fair use as defined in US law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web, www.andnowpodcast.com for more content and contact details. Or visit our Facebook pages, at AndNowPod or 
at Lee Cushing Pod. Follow us on Twitter at And Now Podcast or at Lee Cushing Podcast. If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash and now podcast. And now the podcast stops. <laughs>